What is happening, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Christian Hanson Show. It is episode 73. Today's guest is Alex Calabrese from Men in Red 97, Chicago Fire blog, brand new. Uh, Alex previously wrote for Hot Time in Old Town, but SB Nation, Vox, or whatever the media group uh, that was that was in charge, has put the kaput on uh, a lot of those blogs. So, Men in Red 97 is all exclusive Chicago Fire football content. Be sure to follow that. Uh, links will be in the episode notes, like always. But me and Alex preview the uh, 2023 fire season. It starts tomorrow. They play NYCFC at home, 7.30 on the lake, Soldier Field, brand new kits, uh, a kit for all, uh, will be debuted in action. Very exciting uh, to look forward to as Fire fans, like Cubs fans as well. We uh, prepare for the best and just embrace for what usually really comes, and that's heartbreak and defeat, uh, per usual. Pretty much since 1997. But that's uh, nothing new for us. So me and Alex talk about that. We preview the season, uh, additions, uh, subtractions. I'll see the, the um, uh, permanent sale of uh, Gabriel Slonina, Gaga Slonina, as we call him, to Chelsea. And then the uh, kind of, not shocking, but shocking at the same time, uh, quick uh, move and sale of uh, the Colombian... Uh, now 19-year-old, John Duran to Aston Villa, a permanent transfer uh, to them, and he's already started to play some games, which is pretty damn cool. So we sold two players to Europe in uh, less than 12 months, and we did nothing in the offseason. That is Chicago Fire Football. I love the organization. I do work for them. I shoot photos for them. I love them. But sometimes the fan in you still has to sneak out. But yeah, we talk about that, and it was really, really fun to talk with uh, someone about fire soccer. I mean, who else am I going to do that with? I don't. My dad doesn't really get into it. My mom, obviously not. Sister, what soccer? Girlfriend, she's getting into it. Big fan of that. Um, hopefully, going to the game on Saturday, uh, pending the cold. Not a fan of it. I would go, but not her. Uh, which is okay. But me and Alex talked about that. It was very, very fun. So I am prepared to lose listeners because who likes to talk about soccer or listen to it besides me and Alex and maybe a few other people following Men in Red 97. Uh, hopeless, hopeless, hopeless fans. Haven't been in the playoffs in years, but this is the year we do it, right? We said that every year. But uh, I'm confident. I think the fire finish top six in the East. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of shit for that. Did I swear? I think I did. Um, but I'm hopeful. I really do like the squad. I'm not a big fan of all the moves we made in the offseason, but we got a lot of good talent coming up. Victor Bezeros uh, is going to be my pick to click this year. I think he is going to have a breakout here, uh, and I hope it uh, comes to fruition. But without further ado, this is me talking to Alex Calabrese, previewing Chicago Fire FC 2023 season. Enjoy. <laughs> Appreciate you doing this. Welcome to the pod, man. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, man. So first off, tell everyone a little bit about you. I know uh, you're out in Syracuse right now, going to school. Uh, you wrote for, was it Hot Time in Old Town? But sad face, that's gone away, right? Yep, it is gone. 
as of about a month ago. What happened? Well, Vox Media pulled funding on all of the MLS sites. So, yeah, that included Hot Time in Old Town, even after a decade of Chicago Fire coverage. So the site sadly shut down. Mm, Well, that's horrible. But, hey, uh, we got good news, right? What else is starting? Uh, Yes, very excited to share. Uh, Meninred97.com, brand new Chicago Fire site. Um, um, I'm lucky to have the opportunity to be a part of that project. I'm going to be the editor-in-chief for the Chicago Fire blog there. And I'm going to be covering the team just like last season. And uh, just just a new site. site. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. That launches actually, what, this week or... Uh, I don't know when this is coming out, but February 25th. So tomorrow as we're recording this. Awesome. That's great. Uh, so yeah, we got the MLS season that starts tomorrow. And by the time this comes out tomorrow, we'll already been gone. The full weekend will have already been in, but, uh, we got, uh, a lot of things to talk about with the fire. Um, I think, um, just reflecting on last year, I think the big thing right out of the gates is trying to stay healthy, right? There was an inability to do that last year. Um, the hype for Hyro when he came over from Liga MX was huge. But we saw mm-hmm. he didn't play next to no games, which kind of concerning because he missed no games when he was in Atlas. Shakiri, we all know. I don't even have to talk about that. Uh, people have their own opinions. Amsberg went down. That ruined us. Navarro, that was horrible. Tehran, and then... Jabilko. Now, it wasn't much physically with Jabilko. I think a lot of it was between the ears with him. But, I mean, that damaged the entire season, for, for, for most of it, at least. Um, I think the inability to stay healthy physically and mentally hurt us last year. And I think last year, looking back, I think the struggle to hold on to leads was horrible. Uh, defensive flared collapsed far too many times. I mean, I'm just thinking about that Columbus Crew game. Uh, uh, I can't shake that Toronto FC in May. Uh, where, I mean, what was it, like a billion shots to Toronto's six? And it was that nuts. game. Yeah, that was a tough game, though, because Amsberg was out. He was in health and safety protocol. I actually asked him. He never even had COVID. It was a false positive. <laughs> wow. Which sucked. Um, and then Columbus, like I said, Columbus crew in July. And then Charlotte in September, that was, that was a real knife to the heart because that was what officially eliminated us from the postseason. I mean... The inability to hold the leads, I think, is something that really needs to work on. Um, but I don't know about you. When you look at back on last year, what were some of the things that stood out? Yeah, I mean, I think you covered it there. I think the injuries were definitely harmful. Like, once you finally got Omsberg playing the best soccer of his career, he suddenly has a season-ending injury. Mm-hmm. Like, Shakiri, you could never get him into a good rhythm. <laughs> Jairo Torres arrived injured, and the only reason he was able to play so consistently for Atlas was because it turned out they were pretty pretty much playing him on painkillers nonstop for two years. Oh, geez. Shabilko, Shabilko, it turns out, had some chronic back issues mm-hmm. that they didn't pick up right away, and those really limited what he could do. And and if you ask Ezra Hendrickson, he'll always say the same thing. They dropped 12 to 15 points from winning positions that they really should have had, and when you finish nine points out of the playoffs, mm-hmm. that really, really hurts. So, um, yeah, holding on to leads is definitely going to be something they're going to want to work on this season. Definitely going to want to, well, definitely what they're trying to do is find guys they can bring off the bench to close out those leads. Right. Because you're starting 11 right now, other than maybe the striker position, starting 11 looks pretty decent. It looks pretty good. Yeah. 
But if you look at the bench, other than in one or two positions, there's a really big drop off and the legs are going to start to go in the 70th minute of games. And that's something we saw a lot last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you, you got to figure out what lineup you're going to go with. And that was the issue though, with every, with being injured last year, you can never really have, you never saw the, the true ideal starting 11 last year. Maybe one time you saw it, but other than that, we never saw the true ideal starting 11. I think, uh, some of the highlights from Pat last year, just looking back, obviously Gaga, uh, the unexpected, arrival of Duran, uh, he came and went, uh, I I don't think MLS even really saw, you know, next, they saw next to nothing of him and now he's playing over in Europe. And then I think the arrival of Mueller was crucial. And I think the, the acquisition of him last year, I don't think they go on that run in June and July without him. Yeah, I think with Chris Mueller, too, another thing you have to consider is since the COVID break, like since the initial shutdown, he's not really had a rest No, because they had that full MLS season from MLS's back mm-hmm. that year. And then he went to the national team um, over the over the winter break for December and January. The MLS season starts. He plays the whole season. He doesn't get the postseason. He doesn't get the offseason because then he goes to Scotland. Mm-hmm. So. This offseason here, where he's been off since pretty much September, he hasn't had a break really no. since since the original lockdown three years ago. So, and you definitely saw him start to get a lot tireder and fatigued toward the end of last season. So I think we might see a new version of Chris Mueller, and he's a really dangerous player when he's at his best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And then looking ahead to this year, obviously, the key departures with Gaga is gone. Uh I mean, all the best to him, Duran. Um, that kind of, you know, that move still kind of surprised me. I knew there was talks last year after he went on that tear about him possibly going to Europe, but I did not expect, I honest to God did not expect it to be this quick as it was. And I did not expect for him to really have as much of an impact or much of a role on the Aston Villa as quick as he has. Um, did that move surprise you at all? I mean, it doesn't surprise me that he's in Europe. But I think the the arrival and the instant like insertion into Villa's st- starting, you know, uh, he hasn't started yet, but into the you know that the first team surprised me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't at all surprised to see him leaving Chicago this January. Oh, no doubt. Um, for a multitude of reasons. First of all, he never really felt at home in Chicago. It always seemed like an inevitability he was mm-hmm. going to move on in January. And with tremendous talent, it's no doubt that he was going to go to Europe. Um, and then toward the end of 2022, he started getting like one minute cameos at the end of games for Colombia. That's how, you know, he's about to get a UK work permit. And cause you need those international caps to get mm-hmm. a UK work permit. So then he goes to Aston Villa and honestly, the price did surprise me a little bit. I didn't expect him to go for 20 million, Yeah, but, um, I mean, good for him. Cause clearly they see something in him and he, he's already been playing well for for them so i'm really happy to see him succeeding yeah no it's amazing and then the one that kind of was i mean weird move was the espinoza to shift over to mansueto's other club uh in fc Lugano. what was your thought on that move i thought it was kind of strange to be honest I'm going to be honest. I just don't think that John Espinoza was an mls level player i just really he really wasn't good enough to contribute for the first team 
So if you can get him off the books and do it with relative ease, I mean, that's great. Because I don't know really who would have signed him, to be honest. So sending him to Lugano, you get Marin Heli Selassie as winger depth in exchange on loan. Um, it seems like a decent deal for me, especially when you go out and sign two right backs to replace him. And unfortunately, Seculich left as well, which I wasn't right. a fan of. But yeah. you go out and sign two right backs who both seem like they'll be MLS level and Suke and Jonathan Dean. So while I, I wasn't a fan of them getting rid of Boki, I do think that overall it's good business at the right back position. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I, I don't know anything really about the that corresponding move from Espinoza to I can't even say his name. Was it Marion Halas? Marin Heli Selassie. Yes. I think that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's what's your take on him? I mean, what he's. I mean, because I have no no breakdown or or backing on him at all. What's your take on on him as a player? I've seen a little bit of film of him, not too much, but it seems like he's just kind of like a dribbly winger. Likes to cut inside. Likes to cut into. Likes to play on the left, but cut into on his right. Um, he's going to be wearing the number seven, so that's cool. But like, I don't know if he's, he's not going to be a starter. Most likely he's not an upgrade on Mueller or Guti or anything like that. Right. But it's, it doesn't hurt to have him there because he'll probably be more useful than Espinosa was. Cause when Espinosa was on the field, he didn't really bring much at all. Mm-hmm. What do you think right now is the team's biggest strength? I mean, because they have, there's a lot of talent this year, which I'm excited about because last year I covered fire too. I, obviously you did as well. Um, you know, shooting photos for them. You're, you're going to see a lot of those guys this year, which is exciting. You're going to see, mm-hmm. I think Becerra is going to be a, an every game fixture, whether he's either, he's coming off the bench, I think, every game. He probably will make starts. Um, he's going to be every day, um, you know, type of player. You're going to have Monas, who I think is going to be in that same position. I think Sergio Orhal is not going to be as much of a staple, but I think he's going to get ton, you know, a lot of time. But there's a lot of those Fire 2 guys this year who are really going to, you know, cut their teeth and get at it. And I think the one that surprised me the most, notice credit to him, I love you, Charlie, if you're listening, is Ostrom. The, the addition to him when I saw that camp roster come out, that was the one that caught my eye. Not, not you know, he's, he's, he's good, but that was the one that kind of stood out to me the most. What, what surprises were, or, you know, what surprised you in that initial line, um, you know, camp came out for preseason uh was ostrom for me was one that stuck out but what were some of the surprises uh, on your end yeah i mean i think with 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 charlie he he doesn't have a pro contract yet they haven't given it to him mm-hmm. so we'll see if they announce that before the start of the season um the one guy from fire two who i was hoping would be given a first team contract or at least be a part omari. of the camp roster was omari yeah and they they didn't they didn't put him on the list even though he was training sometimes in Bridgeview with the first team mm-hmm. he wasn't on that first team camp roster so I was a little surprised by that but at the same time it's not like there's a lack of depth in that position sure. um, as for the fire two guys uh, I th- I mean I've said this before I think that the best player most talented player on that team other than the goalkeeper Chris Brady was Sergio or the hell in the midfield for a player like him who's not not huge, very technical midfielder. It's going to be a much bigger jump from next pro to mm-hmm. the first team. But I do, I am really looking forward to seeing him get a bit of a role this season because he's probably the fourth string in central midfield behind uh, Fetty, Gaston, and Pineda. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 
Do you think there's anybody out that Fire 2 team last year that you, you see as possibly moving its way up even to the starting lineup at all this year? I don't think there are going to be any starters from that team. I think Bezerra will definitely get some games. Monis will play a bit of a role. Um, Kendall Burks will get mm-hmm. some games at center back at some point. He'll have Rodriguez. some role to play. Misa, potentially. Um, he's probably the fourth string striker at this moment, wow, but yeah. he'll probably make his debut at some point during the season. But de- definitely, it's been a good thing to have that fire two team where they've been able to play together and still be playing a similar system to the first team so that if they are needed for the first team, it's a much smoother integration if they need to be called upon for game day. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now, there's a lot of, uh, you know, things to get back to Amari. I think the the reason why... There's been some, you know, he hasn't really been inserted. From what I understand, I think it's a visa holdup issue. That's mm-hmm. what I've heard. I mean, because there's no doubt in my mind that, I mean, there's no reason why he shouldn't be in this camp right now. I mean, we're number 10 for your country. And, you know, I mean, the way he played last year was just unbelievable. He's probably one of the quickest players I saw all in all of MLS Next Pro last year. The the way he can just weave himself in and out of defenders was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, like you said, he was just the most threatening attacking player on that team. Mm-hmm. And th- that was that was an attack that had Bezerra and Monis, who are both probably going to be MLS rotation level players this year. So yes, it's a very small country, but the fact that he's what? He's 19 years old mm-hmm. and he's the star player for Guyana. It's yeah. very impressive. Right. Yeah, small country, but still, we're in number 10. I don't care what country you're playing for. That's like insane. That's legend mm-hmm. status already. When you think of everyone who's worn 10 from like all the other big countries, I mean, come on. And then I think there's a lot of argument and a lot of, um, you know, frustration amongst the fans right now, too, about the lack thereof of signings, right? Of DPs and, um, you know, they the, have these teams making moves, but the fire staying quiet. I mean, with the money that we have now, I mean, right now we're, we're seen as a club that is a, that is a pipeline to Europe and I don't care. I mean, that's the most attractive thing I think for a young player who's trying to make that, you know, make that move. Um, why do you think there's a lack of, you know, <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's any urgency from, from uh, the top of the organization right now and trying to get, get people, uh, you know, to, to this club. I mean, the season starts tomorrow and we still don't have any, any real signings this off season. Yeah. So the fire have two off budget slots open right now, mm-hmm. which are DP and an under 22 initiative slot. Mm-hmm. So inevitably one of those is going to go to a striker. Yes. You signed Kai Kamara, but that's more of a band aid yeah. because you don't really have anyone else, mm-hmm. but they're really looking to full, to fill either the DP or under 22 slot with a number nine, who's going to score a lot of goals. Mm -hmm. And they've been talking to players. It's not like they're not actually actively looking like there's a player who bit on the older side actually would have been a max Tam player, Mm -hmm. but prolific history in Europe, Aaron Zahavi um, from Israel. Um, That one didn't end up happening, but, and it seems like that pursuit is over, but they're definitely looking. And then there was John Kennedy from Brazil, who would have been an under 22 striker, uh, very young, um, scoring some goals in the Brazilian second division, mm-hmm. but seems pretty promising. That's not happening for some non-sporting reasons, but 
they're definitely looking for guys and I would not be shocked at all to see a DP or an under 22 striker join before the end of the primary transfer window. And if not, definitely over the summer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now when you are, let me see here. I had this pulled up when you're looking right now at your, you know, projected starting 11, who do you have? What is, what is the, the starting lineup for you right now? All right, so I guess we'll just start with the goalkeeper. For me, it's no it should there's no doubt in my mind it should be Chris Brady. Mm-hmm. I, I think he has more raw talent than Gaga. Mm-hmm. Gaga's more well-rounded right now. He's more complete, but Chris Brady has more raw talent and I think his potential is arguably higher in the really? long run. So I think he hmm. yeah, I think so. Where do you see the differences um, though? I mean, what we saw last year. Well, I mean, the thing is Chris Brady is a pretty one-dimensional goalkeeper. He's just an unbelievable shot stopper. Like if you look at the stats from MLS next pro, he was just head and shoulders above everybody else in that league. Um, so for me, like if he can improve with the ball at his feet, if he can improve his distribution Mm -hmm. and decision-making, then Chris Brady will be better than Gaga because he has more raw talent. In my opinion, Gaga has an incredible mentality and has, pushed himself so hard to be such a well-rounded goalkeeper at such a young age, which is why he was starting for the fire and has started now for the national team. And Mm -hmm. is at Chelsea and he's ahead of Brady right now, but I think in the long run, Brady has the potential to be better if he can improve his full game. Um, so yeah, that's in my opinion, Brady's the easy number one. Mm -hmm. Um, looking at the back line, Rafa Shijas is going to be obviously the starter at left center back. He's the captain. As for the right center back, I think we're going to have a really good competitive battle between Carlos Tedan and Wyatt Omsberg. Mm -hmm. Omsberg obviously started the season incredibly well last year and then had a season-ending injury for the second half of the season. Um, Carlos Tedan started the season with injuries and pretty much came in when Omsberg went out. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, I think Tehran ended the season really, really well. He got a call up to the Colombian national team. So I think it's going to be really competitive between those two. I think on week one, I would start Tehran, but I'm, I think that's going to be an open competition throughout the season. Hmm, interesting. Uh, and then we got, uh, I think Navarro probably would then be, uh, who, who do you think would be uh, out wide? Do you think it's going to be Navarro and, yeah, Miguel Navarro is going to be the starting left back for now. I mean, he's really the only left back on the roster. Justin Reynolds is really the makeshift backup left back right now, and they're they're looking they're looking at guys for backup left back, but uh, I don't think that's really the priority right now. Um, so Miguel Navarro will probably be the starting left back. As for right back, it's going to be Arnaud Souquet, who was signed from Montpellier in France. Has he signed um, like every like everything's because I know there was some hesit- like there was a delay with everything, but now he's 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 with the team in camp, right? Yeah, he had some personal stuff mm-hmm. back in France. He had to deal with right when they announced the signing at the beginning of January. Mm-hmm. But he's he's with the team now. He joined up a co- he joined up a couple weeks ago, and he's in camp, so he's going to be ready to start the season. And I did watch quite a bit of him back in January when mm-hmm. he signed some film of him. I don't think he's a big upgrade on Boris Sekulich, but it's definitely not a downgrade or anything. It's it's at least maintaining the same level. It's a very similar type of player. So I don't think you're losing a lot there. Sure. Um, so I'm pretty comfortable with him as the right back. Now, before you finish out that starting 11, uh, I want to touch on Reynolds. Um, the one, one thing that really kind of, I still kind of confused because, you know, there's really no, 
I mean, there's no elaborate story or description as to why, you know, Andre was released, but I think the release of him really surprised me. Uh, Justin mm-hmm. and him both, both, you know, uh, you know, very good players. Um, but the, the release of Andre with no real understanding of why is still confusing to me. Do you know what, or like, what was the reasoning behind that? If anything, or I have no idea. I don't know anything more than you do about it. I, I think that he was making a lot of progress Mm -hmm. in the second half of last season. Right. I thought like, he's not going to be a national team guy. He's not going to be a a starter in MLS ever Mm -hmm. probably, but he's a serviceable homegrown kid who can play as a backup left back. Like I, I do. I don't see why you wouldn't have kept him around. Right. But I guess him going paves the way for his younger brother to get an opportunity with the first team. So I guess that's good for Justin, who is a really talented player as well. And I'm really happy for him. Mm -hmm. Now working your way up midfield here, who do you have? All right. So the midfield double pivot is going to be Fede Navarro and Gaston Jimenez. Now Jimenez is a doubt for week one. We don't really know his status. So Mm -hmm. it'll be Pineda starting on week one. Right. But, over the course of the season, Gaston Jimenez is a TAM player, so they're they're still paying him a lot, even if he's not a DP. And Fede Navarro will be next to him. He he's been tremendous mm-hmm. since he came in 2021. Um really, really young. I think he's still only like 22. So uh gonna be huge. He's a bit of a destroyer in that midfield right. and covers covers the more defensive side of that pairing. Mm-hmm. Now, um, when you get to the top half of it, I know there's a lot of people who have already, you know, solidified it as Mueller, Shakiri, uh, Torres, and then Shabilko. But I, I don't understand why Guti is not thrown in any of these projections. Um, who do you have rounding out the top? Yeah, for me, I have Mueller on the left, Shakiri down the middle, and Guti on the right. Yeah, I think that the two most talented players, again, setting aside Chris Brady because we evaluate goalkeepers right. differently, I think the two most talented players on this roster are Shakiri and Guti, and that the that the team is going to be successful if you can get the best out of those two players. Uh, I think Guti. In terms of his raw technical ability, mm-hmm. there are things he can do that like almost nobody else in North America can do. Um, he just needs to be more consistent, get some confidence, get a rhythm going, and just show it in more than just a couple of flashes every game. Mm-hmm. And I think he'll be the starter on the right. Even though he's a natural 10, if you want to get him and Shakiri in the lineup, maybe you have to put him on the right, and that's fine. But um, as for Hiro... I don't have him in my initial starting 11. He's still talented, but if he can get healthy, if he can get a rhythm going for himself and not have to worry about these constant nagging injuries, Mm -hmm. then absolutely. It's good to have that competition for starts with him and Guti. Um, And even maybe Hiro down the middle, um, because that's probably his natural position. He's Mm -hmm. not really a natural winger. So for me right now, Hiro is Shakiri's backup. Um, and then you have Guti, Mueller, uh, Marin Heli, Selassie. And then who knows, maybe even like Alex Monis can break yeah. into that competition for mm-hmm. minutes as well. Now, to get back to Shakiri, I know last year there was a lot of, you know, a lot of people were assuming and, you know, a lot of people don't really like him because they, you know, they call them all these different names. But do you think this year is different? I think last year there was maybe a lot in his mind. He went into his final, you know, final World Cup, uh, you know, year, 
he's got that out of the way. I think a lot of his focus and, you know, goals were were set on that, rightfully so. But do you expect a different Shakiri this year, or do you expect more of the same? And if so, how do the fire move forward? I mean, I want to be optimistic about it. I'd like to think that he's gonna be he's gonna push himself a bit mm-hmm. more in certain games. Like there were times last season, especially in the second half of the year, where he felt something, even if it was incredibly small, mm-hmm. he immediately pulls himself out of the game because he doesn't want to aggravate it and miss right. the World Cup. I, I'm I'm hopeful that we won't see as much of that this season mm-hmm. because there's nothing there's nothing at the end of this at the end of the year that he needs to be healthy for. He just needs to give everything for every point, and I think he'll have a good mentality, and I, I think he'll be a good leader for this team. And I'm optimistic that he'll have a better season than he did last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then rounding out the top, everyone I think he still has Jabilko up there. But do you think and do you expect to see a different Jabilko? I know last year they they say it was his back, like you mentioned. But I think you can even go back and look at even the Open Cup game. I don't like talking about that, but because Union Omaha, I mean, the I don't think the back was the reason for like that mental lapse on the PK and stuff like that. I think the back maybe was something that they used as a cushion to kind of cover up a lot of things. But do you think this is a year where he's able to? you know, collectively, mentally, you know, get himself prepared and ready to, to play. And obviously we, this year with Apple, we didn't get to see any preseason. So I really have not seen how he's played, but what is your take on him for 2023? Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I would be a little surprised if he was still, he'll be the starting striker on week one. I'd be surprised if he was a starting striker by the summer, by the end of the year, really, because Honestly, I just don't think that Chicago worked out for him for a multitude of reasons. I just don't think it's a good system fit for him. He worked in Philly when he was in that uh, that diamond with the two strikers up top. He was and he could play there. next to a when he was next to a Corey Burke who could open up the space for him, and he didn't need to do as much running. It worked, and he was really successful there. I don't think that playing as a low number nine in Chicago has been as good for him. Mm-hmm. In addition to the to the health issues and, you know, struggling to score goals doesn't help his confidence either. So it's just really a combination of bad luck for him. Um, but I think him and Kamara will split minutes until they sign another striker who will be the starter. I do think they'll sign a DP or a U22. If not by the end of the primary window, which ends at the end of April, mm-hmm. um, definitely in the summer, I think they'll sign another striker. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at the initial projections, I mean, no one's given the fire a chance. One reporter, I think, said 13th was like the best out of everyone. Where do you think they finished this year? I mean, last year they finished 12th. Um, disappointing. They should have snuck in in the playoffs. That loss to Charlotte really hurt. Um, but where do you think they sit? Obviously, at the start of a you know new year, everyone's very optimistic. I'm very optimistic. Maybe that's just because well, I'm also a Cubs fan, and we are so stupid and believe everything's going to be good every year. But uh, I don't. I mean, I'm excited. I think they'll be good. But then again, it's you get used to it as a Fire fan over the years. Um, where do you think they finish this year? Do you think they sneak in? With the current roster as it is right now, today on February 24th, before the season starts, I don't think they're going to do any better than 13th or 14th place. Really? However, I think that if you if you go out and sign that striker, whether mm-hmm. it's a DP or a U22 guy from South America, who's really prolific mm-hmm. and can really be a dependable number nine who you can rely on to score goals, 
I do think they make the playoffs. Nine teams are going to make the playoffs this year with the new format. Yeah, new format, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do think they'll finish between seventh and ninth if by the end of the primary transfer window they are able to sign that dependable number nine who can replicate was jo- what John Dudan was doing in the second half of last season mm-hmm. because other that that second half of last season is re- like the fire are a different team when they have that dependable number nine. When right. they had Nico scoring goals, they were in the playoffs pushing for playoff spot. When they had Robert Barrich scoring goals in his first season, they were a point out of the playoffs. When you when you have Barrich the next season doing nothing, they're not even in the playoff race. So, I mean, having that number nine is really the difference between this team sneaking into the playoffs and being a competitor for the wooden spoon, unfortunately. Yeah. Now we head into the weekend when this comes out, uh, the first weekend will be already in, in the books, but looking at MLS and a league as a whole, um, what are some things you're excited about this year? I'm actually excited, um, about seeing St. Louis. I know, um, they're in the West, but I do like, you know, you got that Cubs Cardinals thing. I know they're in the West. It's not really much of a rivalry. Kansas city and St. Louis will be the Derby game, but, uh, I'm excited to see St. Louis in league, but what are some things you're excited about, you know, from the MLS as a whole this year? Yeah. I mean, I'm really excited for the leagues cup personally. Uh, I always love watching those CONCACAF champions league matchups with the MLS teams and the league MX teams. So for me, I'm really excited to see the fire playing against some of the teams. I believe they're in a group with Puebla who are a decent team in Mexico. Uh, I'm also excited to see the Philadelphia Union again. They've kept a lot of their key pieces from last season when they came really, really close to winning the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, the, the Union are my favorite to win MLS Cup, but uh, I think they're going to be a really exciting team again this year. And I guess one more thing I'm excited to see is Portland Timbers' new signing, Evander. Mm-hmm. They signed him for, I think, like $10 million. Um, he's looking like he's going to be a really dangerous player and probably going to be like newcomer of the year contender. So guys like that, really exciting, but we'll see what happens with the fire. Hopefully the, if the fire do well, it'll be a much more enjoyable season. Let's just say that the summer (laughs) months will be better. Um, yeah, no, it'll be good. Who do you think, uh, takes home the, uh, cup at the end of the year? Who's your pick early? Uh, I think the, I think the union. Union. Right now, yeah. just because it, it would be LAFC were easily the best team last season in no the doubt. league. Yeah. But when you lose Chicho Arango and don't really replace him, that's a really big downgrade. I mean, they pretty much just wanted to get rid of Arango. I don't quite understand why. Um, he's now in Mexico. I mean, for me, that was a ridiculous decision to sell him. But um, for me, I think the union are now the best team. Uh, with LAFC losing that number nine. Um, I also think that the Galaxy could be pretty good. Ricky Pooj getting a full year. They were really good in the second half mm-hmm. of last season. So He came over from I guess, Barcelona, right? Barcelona, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if you want an early pick for MLS Cup, I'd say it'll be the Union and LA Galaxy, but that's not, that's not crazy. That's not a crazy pick or anything. Right. Now, uh, one other thing too is, uh, another thing that's interesting about Ricky is He's still very young, and I think seeing seeing a young player come over from a team like Barcelona to the MLS, I think says a lot about maybe the league and where MLS is headed and how it's growing, because MLS has always been seen as a retirement league um, for those guys. But do you think this is the start of something, you know, where you see more of that moving forward? 
I'm really hopeful of that. Um, the, the only thing that makes me a little bit skeptical is that it's really only LA and Miami that probably yep. have the draw to do that right now. And the financial, like, backing. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think you're going to be seeing guys like that come to Chicago. Like Chicago has financial backing and stuff, but are they really going to want to leave Barcelona for a city that's not Los Angeles or Miami? So right, yeah. that's the only thing, but I'm really hopeful that in the future we'll see MLS be more on that bubble of leagues just outside the top five leagues. I think that's the ultimate goal is to be the best league that's not the top five leagues because you're never going to break into those. Right. But if you're on the same par as a Netherlands or Portugal where a player who's not setting a light in the top five leagues and need to step back, they can come to MLS for a year or two. Right. I think that's about that's about where MLS could be in a couple of years, and I think that would be a good level for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I don't know. There's, there were even talks. I mean, just imagine Ronaldo living in Missouri because there were so many talks <laughs> about that being almost a done deal. It, it almost happened. It really did. That's crazy. I just can't to think wrap about. my head around like, him living in Missouri. It's just so random. Like yeah. you always thought when Ronaldo comes, he'll go to LA and be a movie star. Right. You never would have even imagined that he'd go to Kansas City and. They apparently had dis- they had his discovery rights, so that's where Which he would have so gone funny if he came to, to say MLS. That Kansas City Sporting KC has discovery rights on Cristiano Ronaldo. Just they discovered like... him. They discovered Ronaldo. Yeah, they did. Well, Alex, I appreciate you coming on. Of course, thanks for having me. You bet, man. Take care. You too. There you have it, folks. Me and Alex Calabrese. Be sure to check out the Men in Red 97 website. Links will be in the description, like always. Be sure to check out that website for all your latest and greatest Chicago Fire football content. While also checking out Chicago Fire's website themselves, chicagofirefc.com. Be sure to get your tickets for this Saturday, tomorrow, that is. Get them now. Pause this podcast. Get the tickets, chicagofirefc.com. They're playing NYCFC, uh, MLS Cup champions. What is it, a year removed, I believe? Uh going to be a great game on the lake it's going to be a little cold bundle up but be there to support the fire as they debut uh, for the first time ever they're all for one kit i think the confetti kit i'm wearing the kit right now i'm a big fan of it uh it was designed for a logo there's nothing in the middle sponsorship wise kind of weird but uh big fan of the kit big fan of the fire vamos chicago we'll see you on the lakefront thanks for listening to the christian hansen show till next time stay safe and be well